It's good to see uh, all, a lot of you. Hey guys, uh, there's some newcomers in here. My name is Caleb uh, Lee. I've, I've been the campus pastor of New Philly Busan for almost 10 years now, along with my wife, Pastor Mina. She's in the back, um, kind of taking care of the kids and running children's ministry. But um, yeah, our I think... Uh, January of 2022 will be our 10 years that we've been in Busan. We moved down here in 2012. Uh, Ted came in 20, came 2014. Yeah, two years later. Uh, and then a lot of, some of our members have been with us for many, many years. Um, and, and, uh, some of you guys are new. But, um, yeah, my name is Caleb. Um, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and uh, just one one announcement, tithe and offering. If you guys would like to give your tithe or your offering, there's a little blue box in the back that you guys can do. So there's an envelope that you can fill out um, and kind of let us know. Um, and uh, be spirit-led when you give. Don't feel like, oh, I have to give something. No, just be led by the Spirit of God. Um, and, and as you connect with the Spirit of God, and if the Spirit of God calls you to give, um, give and give with a, with, a, uh, with joy in your heart. Because God loves a cheerful giver. Um, I think with that said, uh, I'm going to uh, be taking a break from our Hebrews uh, kind of a, um, a sermon series that we've been on. Um, I'm, uh, there's 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 uh, about six more chapters, seven more chapters that we need to get through. Um, and I realize that it, it as I've continued, it's getting harder <laughs> and more time is needed. Um, and so, you know, and it's not that I, I you know, I don't want to preach out of it. I just I feel like. Um, I need to pray more, and I need to kind of study more um, as, as the you know God allows me to preach out of Hebrews. Uh, but it's an amazing book, and I'm learning so much just going through the book of Hebrews. But today, I felt like there's something that's been on my heart um, for a while now, and uh, we know we've seen you know kind of what's been happening around the world, uh, you know, happening in in this country, and maybe our homes, you know, our uh, places that we come from, our. Uh, uh, the uh, countries that we originate from, or even the city of Busan, uh, even in our church, and and there's been something that's been on my heart, and it's the topic of our our need for God's revival. Um, I like, you know, I, I've mentioned this a few times that I feel like when we came to the bridge, we came to the bridge November of last year. You know, we were at Kwangali for uh, almost ten years. We were there for since like 2013. Um, and then last year, the rent got too high. <laughs> it was like, it was getting too expensive. And we were like, oh, you know, our, and our numbers were shrinking and, and we we're just kind of praying and God really opened up the space for us to worship here. Um, but you know, when God brought us into this place, I felt like God was telling me, me personally, but also for our church that it's a season of rest. Um, I felt like, you know, we've been kind of, you know, kind of, in this in this time of really pushing through our community, our community, um, you know, we've had this long history, and God's really been moving in our church. We had our ups, we've had our downs, we've had our you know our struggles. We, I you know I personally had, you know, my uh, you know you know struggles and um, you know my you know low days and 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 coming out of those. And I felt like as God brought us here, it was a season of rest for us. Um, but recently, I've been feeling like God is shifting us. Um, from that season of rest to really seeking God and His revival. Uh, New Philly Busan, we've been praying for the revival of this city ever since the beginning. 2012, we came here with this mindset of we're going to pray for the revival of Busan. Busan is probably the least uh, evangelized city in the country. 
Um, a lot of people in Busan, you know, there's there's less churches in Busan than than in Seoul. Um, it is the second biggest city, but it's also a shrinking city. You know, like people say that the younger people are leaving Busan in this past couple of years. It's have it's been actually uh, more extreme than in other years. That it is actually a city that's shrinking. Um, all the young people are leaving. You know, going to Seoul to get better jobs and. Um, and it really is a place where uh, Christianity um, is not as prevalent, I say, than it is up in Seoul. But, um, and we've been here and we've been praying for the revival of this city. It's one of the things that's been on the heart of the bridge. And when we came here, we talked to the director and we kind of told them like, oh yeah, we've been praying for the city. And he's like, oh, that's really our heart as well. Like we really want to be here and we want to be praying for the city. And, you know, we kind of had this moment where um, we just realized that God has kind of called us to similar things. Um, we've been praying for the the revival of this nation. We've been praying for the revival of North Korea, uh, you know, ever since 2009, all the way back when New Philly used to meet in this, you know, church on the side of this mountain in Seoul. And we, everybody had to walk like, you know, 20 minutes from the the subway stop or the bus stop to get there. And it was up, we are upward climb. You know, it's like I remember. Now everybody was a little bit more fit because everybody there's no elevators. Everybody had to walk, you know, up this hill and up this up the stairs to the education building. Ever since then, we've been praying for North Korea. We've been praying for the revival and and God to break in um, in North Korea. You know, and and you know, as people of God, we must be people that continually seek and look to God to revive us uh, and to bring new life into our world. The word. Revival is from the Latin word uh, revivere. Revivere. Anybody speak, speak Latin here? Right. Re means back. Right. Like you know, rewind. You know. And then vivere means to live. And so it's to make to make live again. Um, the Hebrew word I really like this word is haya. It's what we used to say when we played karate when we were little kids. You know, haya. You know, that's literally how it's pronounced. Haya. It's haya. And it means restore to life, to quicken, to refresh, to bring you life. Psalm 85, 6 says, Will you not revive us again, that your people will rejoice in you? And I want to tell, to tell you today that God, our God that we worship, the God that we look to is a God of revival. Right? God is a God of revival. Ever since Adam, right? He creates Adam and Eve, you know, and then Adam and Eve, they mess up, bring sin into the world. You know, and from that moment, God sets into motion this plan to revive his people, to bring back to life his people. Because, you know, as soon as soon as sin entered the world, we were dead in our sins. But he creates this plan to bring new life into the people. He is all about revival. He's the God of Abraham, right? You know, a man, he's an old man. Or when God first called him, he was like, you know, in his 70s. And then he had to wait another like 20 years for him to have... Isaac, but you know, he picks this old man with a wife that's not just old, but is barren, right? He's, she's barren. She's tried all her life to have a child, but she was not able to have a child. And if I was God, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to try to pick the best looking guy, the youngest, and like, no, not the youngest, but like a young, good looking guy, you know, like, you know, who, who has an attractive wife and, you know, is very fertile to create my people and from them they shall be, no, God chooses this old man. With a wife that's barren, and he says, from you, like, I'm gonna create my people. From you, you, you're gonna birth the offspring of the people of God. Think about this, right? This is just the way that God works. God is a God 
of revival. He's the God that brings life into the barren wasteland. He's the God that draws water from the dry desert. He is revival. When God sees darkness, He longs to shine His light into it. When He sees death and oppression, His desire is to speak life. And on this earth and in your life, our God is a God that wants to bring revival into it. He wants to bring revival into your world. Isaiah 57.15, it says, For us, for thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. And he's all about revival. He's all about reaching down to us in the pit. You know, we were in the pit. We were in this condition where we could not save ourselves. We were headed for an eternity of hell and he chooses to revive us. Revive us. He didn't have to. But that's just who he is. He is a God of revival. Now, before we go on talking about revival, we have to get one thing straight. True revival is never man-made. Um, but it can only flow from the heart of God. It's, it's all about life. And life in any way, shape or form the only one that can give life and bring life is God. And so there is no method to revival, right? There is no formula. We can't create it from our own volition. We can't just decide to have one day, like, you know, I, I, let's, let's have a revival in New Philly, right? Can't just decide to have it and then all of a sudden it break out. It can't be orchestrated by the flesh. But true revival can only come upon this earth at the sovereign and gracious decision of God to send a fresh move of His Spirit upon His people. We can't manipulate God into bringing us revival. But here's the awesome part about revival. It can only come from God, but God chooses to use us, His people, to bring revival into the world. He chooses us to be carriers of revival, conduits of revival. He chooses us to manifest his re- revival upon this earth. And if he wanted to, he could bring revival here in an instant, right? He just snap his finger and all of a sudden like gold dust start to fly and people, you know, like all these people are attracted here, healing breaks out, we're just like, you know, like, you know, deaf people come here and ears pop open and they're all they're like, like God can do anything, right? There's nothing that God can't do. But then, you know, he chooses man, he chooses people, you and I, to be the carriers of revival. He chooses his children to carry revival, to be conduits of revival. There's no design, there's no formula, there's no method. You can't buy it. Now I could pay a whole lot of money to these like amazing revival speakers, you know, like all the people, great preachers around the world, and have them come here. And I could pay them like a buttload of money to preach, but it doesn't mean that there will be true revival. Because revival can't be made, it can't be but, but it needs to be sought. Everybody say sought. It's a, it's a word that we don't really use much. But revival needs to be sought. It needs to be sought after. God wants us to seek. Right? We have to go after it. It's like, you know, becoming a famous rapper, right? You don't just decide to become a rapper, right? Now, some people have enough money and they pay for recording studios and they try, hey, they don't become famous rappers, right? But if you want to be a famous rapper, you have to write your rhymes, you have to 
hone your craft. You have to like put in your work, put in your time. You got to get rejected. You got to people have to boo you, and you got to you know like remember eight miles and uh, you know Eminem and you know like spaghetti, you know mom spaghetti puking at him. Yeah, he's got you got to go through that. But you can actually, you know, like, hone your craft to become, you have to seek after it. You know, I've been, I've been on this trip these days about Anderson Park. I don't know if you know Anderson Park. He's this, uh, African American, part Korean rapper that's getting really famous these days. But, um, I got my, I got my Corona shot on Thursday, and I got like really kind of tired on Friday, and so I was like, kind of like lying in bed, like all day, and Mino was just like taking care of the house and the kids. And I went on this like like rabbit hole of like learning about Anderson Park because like I like his music, right? I've been kind of listening to his music, and then I heard this like thing from somebody on on the internet about his past. So I went on this this like rabbit hole, and he you know, he had this crazy past, right? His his father um, was a was an identical twin, and you know they used to like swap places where his father got accepted to the army, but his uncle, who was an identical twin, went to the army for him, you know, and then like he also went to prison for him. And then, like, when his father tried to murder his mother and, and got put into prison for, like, 14 years, and then his mo- and his mother also, like, you know, became this baller selling strawberries. This is, like, a crazy story, right? She got, like, really famous, you know, selling strawberries in California and made all this money, and then she went to prison for, like, uh, tax fraud and, and all this stuff, right? And, like, securities fraud. And throughout this whole thing, you see this story of this little kid. He's the youngest of, like, nine kids. You know, scattered all through, out throughout America, but you see him just like, he's saying, oh, while this is, all of this is happening, he like, he had one thing in mind, and he put everything into music, right? He started out like, you know, like, playing drums in his church, you know, like, getting paid like a little money just to like, play drums in his church, and, you know, and people started to kind of notice him, and he, you know, he had this weird name, I forgot what his name was, like, Breezy Lovejoy, <laughs> And, I like, and, then, and then like he finally like was just putting all of it. He was homeless for a while and all of this thing he was putting in his craft. And he was seeking, he, he just sought it. Like it was his, it was the air that he breathed, right? And finally, like he met up with Dr. Dre and Dr. Dre had him playing one of his songs and he's like, dude, we need to work together. And since then he's just blown up. He won like three Grammys. He's up for another like couple of Grammys. And, and it's because he, he had this, like, it, it wasn't like he decided one day, hey, I'm gonna become a famous rapper. He had to seek it out. He had to run after it. He had to go after it. And, and, and it's the same way with, with the people of God. We, when, when we see darkness closing in around us, you know, we see, maybe we see darkness in our lives. Maybe we're at a low point in our life. And maybe you see what's happening with the coronavirus. You see all that's happening in Afghanistan. All these things that are happening. And you just might feel overwhelmed, but you know what we have to do is we have to seek after God's revival. We have to seek the kingdom of God. And this requires faith, faith that says, despite what I see in the natural, I will continue to seek after God and His righteousness. I will continue to seek after God. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what seeking revival is. Seeking God to bring down heaven on earth. And it requires faith. And it requires seeking. But the Bible tells us without faith is impossible without faith is impossible to please God, right? But when you are able to really seek after God and we were able to seek after the revival uh, of the kingdom of God upon this earth, 
Right? And we, we, we like, you know, we go, we go after it with genuinely with a heart of saying, God, I want your kingdom to come upon this earth. We become like lightning rods, right? Has, has anybody been struck by lightning? I'm pretty sure nobody has been struck by lightning, right? But like, we were at the, the luge place. You guys should check it out. In Kijang, they created this lugeing. You, you get on these little go-karts and you go down the mountain. It's amazing. It's so fun. We had so much fun, right? But, but in the middle of this losing day, we got four passes so we can go up and down four times. After two times, it like literally started pouring like crazy. It was like sunny one minute, and then one second it just started to pour like crazy. Mina has video of it, right? People were like screaming. Ezra was like, you're like, ah! Like you saw the rain. It was like, it was coming down so hard and you could hear the thunder, right? And you can see the lightning in the dis- distance, right? And when you, when, and seeking God is like this. It's like when there's a storm like that, you go out into the middle of the storm and you raise a long metal stick into the air. And what you're doing is, is you're attracting lightning, right? You know? You're attracting lightning. I don't suggest you guys ever do that. Please don't. Don't go golfing in thunderstorms. You know? But, but it's like that. When we seek after God, it's like trying to, we were trying to attract lightning in a storm. It's like standing in a thunderstorm with a long metal stick. As you do so, you're increasing the chances of being struck by lightning. And you're increasing your chances of being the point of contact between heaven and earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys have to understand that when we truly seek after God, when we truly with all of our hearts run after God and, and say like, God, I want to I want, I want my life to be a testimony where like, you know, I, I really want to see your kingdom come upon this earth. We're like that guy standing in a storm with a metal, metal stick trying to attract lightning. And today I want to talk about seeking after revival. Like lightning, you can't conjure up lightning, right? I can't like <clears throat> create lightning. But you can conjure up, you, just like that, you can't conjure up revival, but you can increase the possibility of getting struck by heaven by seeking after God. You can increase the chance of you being that conduit that brings heaven upon this earth by seeking Him with all of, all of your heart. So let's turn our Bibles to Jonah. I don't know if you guys know about Jonah, but he's in the Bible between Obadiah and Micah. And so let's turn to Jonah, and we're going to keep our finger on Jonah chapter 3. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about the story of Jonah, right? You guys have heard of Jonah. A lot of you guys, if you've been in the church for a long time, you guys know the story of Jonah. God tells Jonah, he's a prophet, he's like, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh back then was the capital of the Assyrians. It was an empire it was considered the biggest city at that time in history. It was full of evil and darkness. And God tells him, arise, go to Nineveh, that 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 great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. Uh, and now as God tells this to Jonah, Jonah, he hesitates and he disobeys and instead of following God's command, he takes a ship headed the opposite direction for Tar- um, Tarshish. And then he's like on this boat and he's like going against God. God's like, go to Nineveh. He's like, no, I'm going to go this way. Right? I'm going to go to Tarshish. Right? We've all done this in our lives, right? God tells us to do one thing. We're like, ah, so he's he's going the other way, and then all of a sudden this big storm comes. Must have been a big storm because everybody on the boat is kind of freaking out. And the captain of the boat, 
is like, we gotta find out who's causing all this bad juju, what's happening to our ship, what's up with the storm. It was perfectly clear day, like we, us out in Kijang the other day. Perfectly clear, sun shining, and all of a sudden, crazy storm. And so they asked Jonah, who are you? And Jonah is like, I'm a Hebrew, verse 9, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And they knew that Jonah was running from God. And so they ask him, what should we do? And he tells them, toss me in the water, and the water will be calm. And so they do. They toss him in the water. And Jonah is swallowed up by a fish. Some We learned it as a whale, but you know the Bible says a large fish. And he's in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, there's so many lessons that we can draw from this book and this scenario. There's the whole imagery of Christ being, you know, like dying for three days and you know, like, you know, being you know, in hell and... And in that, in that, uh, you know, in the three days he rose again from the dead. That, that, that whole analogy is there. But um, I want to kind of see and, and dissect this in, in the way of um, a revival and how revival comes to the city of Nineveh. And the first thing, my first point is that seeking revival requires obedience. Because after the fish finally spits him out, God asks him to do the same thing. Go to Nineveh and call out, call out against it. And Jonah finally obeys. We see that he has this genuine fear for the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 9. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. True obedience always flows from fear of the Lord. You guys have to understand, there's there's an amazing correlation between fear of the Lord and obedience, right? Now, I'm not talking being terrified of God, but fear of the Lord is like, oh God, like you're so amazing. Without you, I'm nothing. I need you more than anything else in my life. That's the fear of the Lord, right? I want to tell you something very important. True obedience isn't just doing the good, easy things that God calls us to do, right? It's easy to be obedient when we agree. When God told me, marry Mina, you know, he, she's like, hey, what do you think about her? And I was like, oh yeah, thank you very much, right? It's easy to obey when you agree, right? But it's different when something that's when it's something that you don't want to do. Like Caleb, I want you to forgive this person that hurt you. I want you to forgive this person that slandered you and your family and hurt your family. And in that moment, I'm like, God, that's hard. I don't know if I can do that. And like Jonah, true obedience is not always easy. We won't always agree with God. God won't always tell you to do what makes you feel good. But if you want to go after true revival, if you want to see revival, not just in your life, but in, in, in the areas around you, if you want life to flow through you, you need to be walking in obedience to God. You have to learn to obey Him in everything. And this comes from the fear of the Lord. When we resist obeying God, we're saying that we fear our problems more than we fear God. God is not enough to handle my problems, my issues, my fears. And disobedience can delay or even forfeit revival. Imagine if all of the great revivals that happened and the people were like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I want to do that. To seek revival is to, is to foster a heart of obedience. Right? And it can be hard sometimes. Now, you might be giving up really difficult things. You, you, God may be telling you, like, hey, I want you to let go of this. And you're like, oh, 
That's going to be hard for me, God. But you know what? God, when He tells you to obey, there's always grace for you to obey. You have to tap into that grace. Well, let's move on. So the fish spits him out. Jordan's sitting on the land. He's smelling like fish guts. Chapter 3, Then the word of the Lord came on Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And this time Jonah obeys. Jonah walks into Nineveh, a city that's three days' journey in breadth. So it took you three days' journey to go from one side of the city to the other side of the city. That's a big city, right? And he walks a day's journey into the city and he starts to preach. Verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. So as Jonah like obeys God, right? finally obeys God, goes into the city, starts to preach, Nineveh responds in a way that probably shocked Jonah. Right? He's expecting like, oh, these people are not going to listen to me. Right? These people, they're evil. Right? They're, they're, just, they're just like, they're just bad people. They're not going to listen to me. But they believe God and they call for a fast. They put on sackcloth. The king finds out and he calls for this degree that every every living thing in this kingdom is going to fast. Not even the animals are not going to eat or drink water. Even they're, they're all going to put on sackcloth and they're all going to sit on ashes and we're just going to cry out to God. And this leads me to my second point is that seeking revival calls for humility. And the sackcloth was a symbol of mourning, lowering oneself, right? humbling ourselves before before God. It's, it's humbling oneself in humiliation. And if we want to see true revival, we have to humble ourselves. Because God hates pride. Right? Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and, per- and perverted speech I hate. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. James 4.6 A true humility creates an atmosphere to be used by God. If you want to be used by God, you have, we have to learn to be humble. Isaiah 57, 15, we read this earlier, I believe. It says, we, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Talking about the, the humble people, the people that humble themselves before the Lord. Is a genuine desire to be brought low, below our desires and our wants, a humility that comes from a deep hunger for more of God and more of what, what He can do, a submission to the complete purpose and plan of God Almighty. You know, people, we think like humility is like, oh, you know, like, nah, nothing, you know. You know, like the people, like somebody does like a, you know, like a, 
performs this amazing opera and they're like, oh, that was bravo! And they're like, oh, that was nothing, I suck, you know? That's not humility, right? It's not self, humility is not self-abasement. It's not lowering yourself, you know, like just saying that, you know, you're just like not, you know, like, like you know, you're, you don't live up to it. But it, but it's saying that God is so great that I surrender everything. That's the difference, right? We're not lowering ourselves and we're not saying, ah, oh, I suck. Like, we're just nothing. We're just, we're just like, you know, we're just poop, you know? We're not saying that. We're saying God is so great. He is everything. And so I surrender everything. It's recognizing God's power, His greatness, and His glory and realizing that we cannot live without Him. Humility is abandonment and surrender. Being brought low to see what God can do through us. And Jonah has this humbling moment, right, before God. You know, as he's in the belly of the fish, right, he's, he's just, he had this thing where God tells him, I want you to go, I want you to do this, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do it, God. Peace out. I'm going to go do my own thing. And then this crazy thing happens, and he ends up in the belly of a, of a fish, right? Imagine, you're in the belly of a fish, and then we have, he's probably at the lowest mo- point in his life, right? He's not like, you know, he, like, like, you know, he, he's not like, oh, you know, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I deserve to be here, you know, like, he's just like, at probably at the lowest point in his life, and he has this amazing moment with God, and he cries out to God, he says, I called out to the Lord, he, this is why he's in the belly of the fish, out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of show I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the flood surrounds me, all the waves and the, and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to make me, to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Right? But it says in verse 8, verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard in, to pay regard to vain idols, forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Right. So he has this moment where he's in the belly of the fish and he's like, God, you're everything. Like, like you, you took me down to the to the depth of the of, of of the sea. You you like you know like I'm just like being destroyed here. But then I cried out to you, and you heard me. It says, but I will, but I with the voice of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you what I have vowed. I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He has this amazing moment of humility, but he realizes like like God is everything. And seeking revival, if we want to see revival in our lives, we have to go low, be bent low. Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will give, forgive their sins and heal their land. And this is what the people of Nineveh did. Right? They humbled themselves. They denied themselves. They fasted. And they sought after the Lord. And we see this great revival happen in the city of Nineveh. And in chapter 4, like Jonah's like complaining to God. He's like, God, why are you doing this? Like, why are you saving these people? And we see the heart of God. 
And they prayed and they cried out to God. And this leads me to my last point is, is seeking revival is all about prayer. But not just any prayer, but prayer that flows from humility. When we are brought low, when we pass our desires and we're into the heart of God, right? It's a prayer that flows from true surrender. It's a prayer that flows from self-denial. Prayer that flows with zeal and urgency that comes from seeking Him out. When we start to like say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you more than anything. There are times we pray and there are times when we pray seeking His face. Second Chronicles 7, I read it earlier. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and hear their land. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is like my life verse. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So it's, it's when we seek God with all of our hearts. And it's this, this prayer that's birthed not just from trying to move God's hand, right? Now we've, we've done that before. Like, God, I need this. God, I want this job. You know, like, please do this for me. And you know, it's fine. But when we seek God's face, it's like, God, we, we want you. I want you more than anything. And when we are praying and when we have a heart geared in this way where we're seeking the presence of God, we're able, we're seeking the revival. And that's when we are truly seeking after the revival of God. As we humble ourselves and we seek God, not just His hand, not just what He can do for us, but we seek Him in prayer with a hunger and a desperation that comes from knowing Him. We're like, God, You are everything. And we're in His presence and we're seeking after revival. Because ultimately, revival is not an end of itself, right? What, what is the end of revival, right? Do you guys know what the end result of revival is? Revival is, at the end of it, is to know Him more. We don't we don't ask for revival so that we can have a good time. Like ah, everybody raising their hands in prayer and worship and jumping up and down and you know singing songs. No, the ultimate goal of a revival is so that we will all know God on a deeper level to know Him, that He may bring true revival in our hearts, so that we have a genuine love and a genuine passion for Him. We want more of His presence, more of His Spirit. And it comes as we seek Him through prayer and worship with all of our hearts. And I want to encourage you guys. You know, one of the things that I, I, Mina and I are really praying for is to really like, like call the, the prayer movement of our church. You know, we used to have a really strong prayer movement. And it got a little militant for a while. But then we want to bring it back. We want to be able to pray. And then every, every Sunday at 1.30 we meet here in, our, in the conference room for prayer. Mina leads that time, you know, and we gather, and for about 20 minutes we pray. Pray for the church, pray for the country, we pray for the city, and we pray for, for the things that are in the hearts, um, of the church. And then monthly we have a Zoom meeting every first Wednesday of every month, right? Try to keep that in mind, because Mina always kind of gets a little annoyed when I forget to announce it, 
But on the first Wednesday of every month, we have a prayer meeting over Zoom. It happens at 8.30. And we, we want to genuinely encourage you guys to join us. Because as we pray together, as we seek after God together like this, God will start to bring revival into our church, into your lives, into this city. I want to close with this. I was meditating on Ezekiel 37. And I'll end with this. And, and this was one of the, one of the major verses that our church was really founded on. And it continues to read that. So we're still standing on Ezekiel 37. And I want you guys, if you guys have your Bibles, turn to it and follow along as I read it. In Ezekiel 37, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there was there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And, and I answered, O oh oh Lord God, you know. Then he, then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and it looked and and I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Brothers and we're all called to be carriers of revival. Every single one of us. If you're a child of God, God wants you to be a carrier of revival. We're called to prophesy. We're called to, to seek revival. We're called to bring life into the dry bones of this world. And in the midst, you know, we have, you know, in, in the mindset that we have to have as God's people is that revival starts with me. You know, we all have to have, you know, as I was writing this, this sermon, I was convicted. I was like, "My God, you're saying you're telling me that revival starts with me." And I want to tell you, revival starts with you, each and every one of you in you. Revival can start with you. God has called you to bring revival into all areas that He's called you into. He wants to bring revival into your workplace. He wants to bring revival into your family and your friends. I preached on this last week. He wants you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world everywhere you go. As you are salt and as you are light, you are called to be carriers of revival in this world. You are called to bring revival, to bring light into the dark places. He wants you to bring life to the dead and dry bones that are out in the world. Now you guys, revival isn't just something that happens in church. It's not an event that we plan for. You know, we've... You know, if you've been with the church for a while, you've probably been to revival meetings. Uh, in America, my mom used to take me when I was a kid. 
I would just sleep on her lap, and my mom, they would be like, you know, talking, praying in tongues. I'd be like, oh, what's she doing? <laughs> like, why are they so loud, right? But, you know, revival, you know, although it can be that, but true revival is not just about something that man creates and we put on to, 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 to do something, but it's, revival is heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven coming and touching down upon this earth because we become conduits of heaven. Because we're seeking after God and His presence and His will. And God brings life. He brings revival, life to us and through us. And some of you may need revival in your personal lives. And I've had seasons like this where I just needed God to break through in my life. I needed to seek Him. And to be really honest with you, in these moments were probably the lowest moments of my life. You know, and I, probably the lowest moments. It was really one of the lowest part of my life. And I, and I, and, and it needed to be this way for me to genuinely seek after God. No, you know, when everything is going good, you don't necessarily have that unction to seek after God. But if you're a true believer and sometimes God brings you low, God brings you into those low places in your life, it's so that you cry out to Him. The wilderness you know, everybody talks about their wilderness season. You know what you do in a wilderness? What do you do? You do you just lay down and just just fall asleep? No, you cry out. <laughs> if I'm lost in the wilderness, what am I gonna do? I'm not just gonna sit under a tree and be like, oh, I'm just gonna. This is my wilderness season. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna take a nap. No, wilderness. If I was lost in the wilderness, I'm gonna cry out. I'm gonna be like, help, help me, Lord, right? Anybody have been lost in the woods before? I have. When I was young, I cried, dude. And I remember we were just in a park, but I cried like I like like my I, I, my it was the end of the world. And my dad's like the boy, I remember we were at this park and it was kind of woodsy, and I just like was terrified, right? That's what we do in the wilderness. That's what we do in the low low moments, the low places in our lives. We're supposed God brings us there, not to punish us, but for us to cry out to Him. And you know, in my life, he broke through. In some of the, a couple of years ago, it was one of the darkest seasons of my life. I was just depressed. Mina was depressed. We were just in this, this deep, you know, just, and, and I remember just like crying out to God. And it wasn't pretty. It wasn't like all like polished, like God. I was like, God! I was like, in my night, I'd be like, God, I need you. I like, I would be like, God, I'm, I'm about to like, I'm at the end of my rope here, right? And it, I needed to be in that place for God to break in. And then when God breaks in, He brings revival. Some of you guys might be in a low place in your life and you might be thinking, dude, I'm the last person on this earth that can carry revival. Well, I'm telling you that God might have you in that low place for you to cry out to Him. And like Jonah in the belly of the fish, He wants you to cry out, cry out for revival. For Him to break through, to bring new life. Your struggle is an opportunity for God to break in. You might need a revival in your workplace. Your workplace might be like, it's really bad. There's a bad atmosphere. And instead of just like being all like, oh, like God might want to use you and God might want you to, you, you to be that lightning rod, that, that crazy guy standing in a, in a storm with a metal pole, you know, try to attract lightning. You know, you might need revival in your family. 
Uh, me and Mina, we both have fathers that are not believers. And my sister, I, you know, I think, I don't think she's a believer either. Yeah? And we are the conduits to bring revival into our families. Pray for them. And you might, you, you might be the only person in your group of friends that's a believer. And instead of them influencing you, Maybe God wants you to be that lightning guy. Hold that umbrella in the storm and say, God, I want to bring heaven upon this earth. And as God starts to work through you and you start to seek after God, I'm going to tell you, you could change atmospheres. I've seen it happen. I've seen people go into places, you know, where that's like just really dark and just the workplaces or just like schools and it's just a bad atmosphere. But they just cling on to God and just like the atmosphere changes. People are like, you know what? When I first met you, I hated you. I know people that have people say that like when I first met you something even told me like I don't know why but I hated you right but God wants you to be that person that brings revival I want to encourage you this seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you seek him and God says that he will we will find him if we seek him with all of our hearts Brothers and sisters, it's a new season for New Philly. It's a new season for some of you guys. And, and God is always doing a new thing. He says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Let's, and I want to encourage all of us to be in this place where we continue to seek after God and we have this anticipation, right? You know, be expectant. The one of the things that we lose as we just stay in the church and we kind of get in the mundane areas is we stop being expectant. No, but expectation, like expecting God to work is half the, half the battle. If we truly have an expectation for God to break out in, in the, in our worlds, we can truly see revival upon this earth. Let's all stand up. Let's close our time with prayer.